Lead me to some soul today. Oh, teach Welcome, everyone, to episode number to 31 of a series of episodes that we're calling Leading Others to Christ. During these episodes, we'll be focused on uh, evangelism, and we have, we have, actually, we have a lot of goals, but one of them is really to stir us up, if you will, to stir us up to love and good works, especially in the area of reaching uh, our family, our friends, our neighbors with the gospel of Christ. My name is Dan Barker, and I preach for the Creekside Church of Christ in Franklin, Indiana, where I also serve as one of the shepherds. For those of you that don't know, Franklin is about 20 miles south of downtown Indianapolis, uh, Indiana. Those of you that know me know that I'm passionate about our, our subject today. I'm passionate about evangelism, and I have been ever since I learned the truth and, and obeyed the gospel when I was 21 years old in Owensboro, Kentucky. And ever since then, I've always been striving. I read a lot. I've always been striving to, to teach others. I'm going to use some Bible phrases here. To teach others, to sow the seed, to be a fisher of, of men and women, of course, uh, to make disciples, uh, to persuade uh, men and women, and to teach others to teach. If there's anything that, because I taught for so long, if there's anything that I see myself as, as a, as a teacher, and I always, I've been, been quoting this every time. Remember what Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, 2. And the things that you've heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men, obviously men and women, who will be able to teach others also. And later on in that chapter, Paul uses the language and uh, talking about how we are to be useful for the master prepared for, for every good work. So I came up with this idea of identify those Christians, men and women, those fellow workers who are doing this in their community, who are reaching and leading others to Christ. And once we identify them, to interview them, and we want to learn more about them, who they are, uh, why they are doing what they're doing, how they're doing their things, and, and where they're currently working. That's a little quick backdrop on, on these episodes. And we are so excited that so many of you are listening, and we've got a lot of people. We've got several in foreign countries that are listening to these podcasts, and, and that's exciting. But what we're really excited about today is we have someone with us that we're going to learn, uh, learn a lot from. So as I always do, too, get out your uh, pad and, and pen and, and be ready to take notes. But we have with us today Max Dawson. Uh, welcome, Max. Well, it's good to be with you today, Dan. Good, and we're good to have you with us. Uh, just a little, I'm going to get, Max is going to do his uh, little short bio in a minute, but Max works with the Dallin Road Church of Christ in Beaumont, Texas, uh, where he serves uh, as one of the shepherds and also one of the preachers there. And uh, in fact, I think you told me that you've been there 42 years. That's right, 42 years, and I have served as an elder for 34 years. Wow, that's, that's really good. Well, welcome, and I've been looking forward to uh, talking to you, And because uh, I've had several people uh, I always ask everybody, well, who do I need to talk to out there that's, that's involved in this work, and your name has come up several times, so uh, we appreciate it. What we always do, Max, to get going uh, is uh, I call it the elevator pitch or the, the short bio. Uh, those that don't know who Max Dawson is, tell us uh, uh, just quickly where you were born 
how you learned the truth and how you ended up in, in Beaumont, Texas. Well, I was born and raised in Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, after I got out of the Air Force, I got a job working for the Chevrolet commercial body plant in, in Indy. And uh, a co-worker there uh, taught me the truth. Jerry Hall uh, taught my wife and I the truth. And uh, I started, that was April of 1969 that we obeyed the gospel. And uh, I began to do some fill-in preaching about a year later and uh, wound up uh, after about six months of fill-in preaching, I decided uh, that's what I wanted to do with my life, not fill-in preaching, but to uh, spread the gospel. And so I uh, ended my time with Chevrolet and uh, preached for three years in Noblesville, Indiana, which is a, a suburb of Indy. Then I was five years up at Kokomo, Indiana. And then in 1978, uh, a brother at the Kokomo Church said, hey, there's a church in Texas that's looking for a preacher. Uh, why don't you talk to them? I, I was ready to leave Kokomo. I felt like I'd done my work there. And so one thing led to another. I made connection with the brethren here in Beaumont. And uh, we have been here now for 42 years. Moved here in July of 1978. Well, that's... Uh... That's great. You know, it, I told you on the interview, I have several questions that I, that I ask, and uh, I'm going to jump right in before I, before I forget. Jerry Hall, how could, all right, co-worker at the Chevy plant, you said, that taught you and your wife the truth. Uh, how, how incredible is that, or how, how blessed were both of you that he understood his role and he, that he reached out to both of you? You know, Jerry, uh, working there in the plant, Jerry was talking to people every day. He was never the pushy, aggressive type that was overbearing, but he would just say, you know, here's a verse for you to look at. In fact, that, that's how he actually uh, got me interested. Uh, I was attending a Baptist church at the time, and Jerry would ask me, well, what do you guys believe about this or that? And I'd tell him and he'd say, you know, here are two verses. Uh, take these home and look at them tonight. We'll talk about them tomorrow. And that was almost an everyday occurrence. And after a while, I began to see that what the Bible said was very different than what I was learning in the Baptist church. When it came to salvation, when it came to uh, the issue of once saved, always saved, uh, what I'd learned at the Baptist church, uh, issues regarding the Lord's Supper, nature of the church itself. But Jerry was uh, low-key, persistent, day after day, and uh, eventually Lee and I both obeyed the gospel. Well, that's great. You know, this has come up several of the interviews, uh, and it's hard for me to believe that we we just feel like we just started this other day, but this is our 31st episode, as I told you, and Lord willing, we can keep going. But uh, this has come up several times in, in talking to different ones. Uh, this what if thing, this what if I'd, I'm, I want to use it here. What if Jerry Hall had never said anything to you? What if Jerry Hall had not brought up, you know what I'm saying? And, and started asking you questions that led to a study that led to your obedience. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I believe in the providence of God. Uh, yes. I think that God put me where Jerry was because God was already using Jerry to talk to other people. And, uh, you know, I could go into a long story about how Jerry and I came to work side by side, but that's not really the important thing. The important thing is that Jerry was persistent in teaching the gospel. 
Yeah, uh, that's uh, uh, I, is is Jerry is he still alive? Uh, yes, he's out in uh, Colorado now. He's in very very poor health, but uh, uh, I still have so much respect for him and his wife Linda. Well, when I hear stories like this, uh, because I, I didn't grow up in the church either, I grew up in the Baptist church, but uh, uh, I always try, try to remind people, and I'm sure you, you've stayed in touch with him, but give him a call if you haven't in a while or send him a card and say, hey, brother, thank you so much. Uh, you know, just really appreciate, you know, uh, what you did then. You know, tell us uh, just real quick here. Tell us a little bit about the, the people that don't know anything about Dallin Road. Uh, uh, how big is the group or elders, deacons? Tell us a little bit about the group. Well, Dallin Road Church, when we moved here, it was uh, identified as Pinecrest uh, because of the neighborhood in which we live uh, in which the building was. But uh, we eventually outgrew that building, built a new facility on Dallin Road. We've been in that facility now for right at 30 years. The church uh, has experienced a, a good deal of growth over the years. Uh, when we moved here, we had about 130 people, something like that. And today we have around, uh, around 350, though it's hard here in the middle of the coronavirus to really identify this is how many people we have. But, you know, our attendance uh, on Sunday was running 350, 370 prior to coronavirus. And uh, we, uh, right now, we're doing split services on Sunday morning uh, because of the social distancing and all that. But uh, we have uh, 10 men who serve as uh, shepherds in the congregation. And then we have 20 men who serve as deacons. And our congregation is a cross-section of the community. We look like Beaumont, Texas. Uh, and we have uh, about 35% of our congregation are African-American. Uh, we have uh, some Hispanics, and then we have Caucasians. So we've got a good mix of people in our congregation, and uh, we get along very well together. The church has progressed, even through the coronavirus. We've had some conversions, but we have always been, always, Aggressive in evangelism. That's uh, one of the things that has marked the Dallin Road Church, uh, that we take an aggressive stance on talking to people, inviting folks to come to services. And uh, we've had uh, a measure of success, not nearly what I think it could have been, but we have had some success. Yeah, I've heard so many good things about uh, Dallin Road, and I know one of, the, one of them is uh, the preacher training program. I don't know if you call it that, but Benjamin Lee was actually uh, uh, the very first interview that we did, and he's one of the young guys that came through uh, uh, your program there. When we were talking the other day, and I'm, I had this in my notes later on for the interview, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick it in here. You made the comment about the group is that the one thing about Dallin Road is it's the, it's the DNA or it's in the DNA, or it's the culture uh, that the group is involved in evangelism. You just said that. So explain, uh, I think I know what you mean by that, but maybe somebody doesn't understand. What do you mean when you say it's in the DNA and the culture? Well, uh, it's, it's, what, it's part of our makeup. Uh, it is what we are. We are uh, teachers, teachers. Uh, we're, uh, I hate to say, I hate to use the word evangelist of everybody, but everybody seems to have an evangelistic flair. 
Uh, it's just what we think about. It's what we talk about. And uh, we don't look at this as, a, as some kind of a burden. You know, the Jehovah's Witnesses, they require that their people spend so many hours every week doing, quote, their form of evangelism, unquote. Right. And, uh, and that becomes a burden. They become a slave to that. Our people aren't like that. Our people simply want to share the love of Jesus with people in our community. And so our folks are always talking to others. Uh, and we have first-time visitors, uh, and especially before coronavirus, though we're getting some now, but we have first-time visitors almost every week because people are inviting friends and neighbors, inviting people they don't know. And one of the things that we've done, Dan, is we put together a little simple card that on one side has information about the church, but on the back side, it says, if you are ever looking for a church, and then we have like five or six bullet points uh, where people uh, really respect the Bible, where kids are learning the Bible, uh, where people love one another, et cetera, et cetera. I recommend the Dallin Road Church of Christ. So if you're ever looking for a church that has these qualities, I recommend the Dallin Road Church. And we have literally distributed thousands of those in our community. We had a lady show up one time uh, from Walmart. She showed up on a Sunday morning and uh, said, you know, three people came through my line yesterday at Walmart and they gave me this little card. And I figured I needed to come to Dallin Road just to see oh. what it was all about. Uh, <laughs> but the idea of inviting people, invitations are critical. And, and listen, that's something that almost anyone can do. If you are out, and of course, I realize we've got all these restrictions right now, but that'll soon be over. Right. But if you're out in the community at all, talking to other people, no matter who it is, whether it's at the post office, at the restaurant or at Walmart, you give them a card, you invite them to come. And it's pretty simple. You know, I even, when I teach people on this, I sometimes even step down from the pulpit. I said, let me show you how easy it is to give a card to someone. And I'll pull a card out of my pocket and just walk up to someone in the pew and say, my name is Max. I worship at Dallin Road. Love to have you come visit and give them a card. Uh, two, two or three simple sentences. That's it. And our people do that. As I said, we have distributed thousands of these and uh, our, our contacts, we, we've made a number of contacts. Our converts are coming from simple invitations. Well, uh, it, it, it is simple, but people have to be taught that, right? And, uh, and like you say, you could teach somebody that, that, if you call it a script, what you just said there, you could teach somebody, memorize that in just a minute and hand the card. I, I've tried to keep all of these uh, as positive as I can, Max, but some of the stats that I've seen over the years, and uh, you've been around a little bit like I have, uh, think about our age. And, but you know, one thing that I've seen, I have an article uh, that was uh, printed. It was an article that uh, the Associated Press that printed it. Uh, and it was actually uh, when I, I didn't see it or don't remember seeing it when I was 14 years old in Owensboro, Kentucky. But it was in the Messenger and Enquirer. And the title on this article, it was put up by the Associated Press, it said that the Church of Christ is the fastest growing church in America. Uh, and that would have been, you know, let's say for it would have been in 60, I guess, late 50s, uh, 1960, something like that. And I remember when I, somebody showed that to me, number one, I was shocked because the article was it was published on April the 30th, which was my birthday. But just to see the title of that article 
and you look and you look at us today and the church is not growing. We are not the fastest growing. Churches, Christians are leaving the church uh, and churches are closing their doors. And, uh, and uh, how about this? And I know it just would be your thoughts, but uh, something's wrong here and, and we've lost our focus. And again, I'm not trying to be negative. I'm just trying to be real of, of we've got to rethink where we are here and do something different. What do you think, Max? Well, everything, as one writer said, everything rises or falls on leadership. And in the time that I have been here in Southeast Texas, I can identify six or maybe eight churches that have closed their doors. And in every case, without exception, it was a failure of leadership. That is, people were not thinking ahead, uh, whether the church had elders or not. They were not thinking ahead. They were not doing evangelism. And evangelism has to start at the top. Uh, don't expect uh, someone in the pew just to initiate evangelism and everything grow from one person in the pew. Uh, I think evangelism has to start at the top with the leadership of the congregation, whether that's elders, preacher, deacons, whoever. Uh, and evangelism has to permeate the congregation. But when leaders do not have an evangelistic uh, disposition, churches will not grow. And that's a, that's a sad fact. And churches, you know, uh, someone, people like to say, well, you know, the times in which we live, no one wants to hear the gospel. That's mm -hmm. just false. Absolutely that false. That's an excuse. And uh, I, I understand that some people really believe that, that no one wants to hear the gospel. But if no one wants to hear the gospel, why is it that some churches are still baptizing people? Right. And, and, and it's because there's a difference in the leadership. The leadership has to be sold on evangelism. If you were to interview our elders, I'm one of the 10. If you were to interview the other nine and ask them about evangelism, They'll talk about evangelism. Every one of them will. And they'll tell you what they, and if you ask them, what have you done in evangelism? They'll tell you what they've done. And because they are evangelistic in, in, uh, in their outlook. And so that's the culture that our leadership has established in the congregation. I remember uh, a young lady, uh, she and her family moved to be with us from South Texas about 10 or 12 years ago. And uh, Brother David Banning was working with us at the time. And David and I were the two preachers. And, and after they'd been here for about six months, his sister came up to me and said, you know, what is this? You guys, every three or four weeks, you're pre presenting a lesson on how to, how to convert people and, and about evangelism. Why are you doing that? Well, that's our work. She said, listen, where I came from, the preacher would preach on evangelism every once in a while, but he said, it's an optional thing for Christians. It's not something you have to do, but if you're comfortable doing it, you can do that. Well, I just don't see that as optional at all. Oh. In, in Acts chapter eight and verse four, when they were forced out of the city of Jerusalem, they went everywhere preaching the word. Uh, and that's the way we ought to be too. But it turned out that this sister once she was sold on evangelism, she became very evangelistic then in her outlook and making contacts with people and trying to set up Bible studies. You know, you don't have to teach a Bible study, though, to be evangelistic. You, you, I, I would suggest four things. First, let your light shine. Uh, Matthew 5, 
Jesus said, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So live right. Show people God's way uh, by letting your light shine. Uh, the second thing, you speak. You talk about the Lord. You talk about the Bible. You talk about a lesson you heard yesterday at worship. Uh, so you let your light shine. You speak to people about the gospel. And then you invite folks. You invite folks to come. Invite them to come and see. Uh, you know, in, in John, the early part of the gospel of John, you got that phrase, come and see, two or three times. You'll find that, come and see. Inviting people to come and see the Messiah. And then when people show up, and this is critical, you absolutely have to welcome them. When people come as visitors into your assembly, you welcome them. You make them feel comfortable. And uh, there's a, a lot involved in welcoming people, but you need to make people feel comfortable, make them want to come back again. You know, you and I have both been to that place, Dan, where you walked in, no one said a word to you, you oh, sat down. Yeah. Nobody said anything. That is that is a tragedy. It is an absolute tragedy. And you won't you won't get a second chance to welcome those people because when people do not feel welcome when they come into a place, chances are they'll never come back. Oh, you're you're exactly right. Uh, everything those four points there that we could talk a, a long time about each one of them. But again, it gets back to. Uh, like the, the sister you talked about that came in was even shocked that you were talking about leading others to Christ as often as you were. And she wasn't used to hearing that or seeing that. And once she learned, then she got involved too. But um, there's just so much teaching that has to be done about this. And we know all these Bible facts. Some people have been sitting in Bible classes and heard have heard thousands of sermons, but they don't know how to, I always say that, I'll look at people and say, knowledge is power, right? And I'll do my head like this and they'll go, yes. And I'll go, no, uh, applied knowledge is power. Yeah. And we've got to take these things that we have learned. And, and it's like, teach me how to fish, but I never go fishing. You know, it's like, uh, what, what are we missing here? But something, something else you said there. And I, I know that you're big on, you have the, the, uh, uh, the uh, blog that you do about leadership. Uh, and I know you're big on, on leadership and equipping others uh, and, and training others and, and working two by two. And uh, just a little, uh, we're about out of time here, but just a little snippet, if you would, about that, of the, of the equipping of the saints. Well, uh, that's a primary function when you look at Ephesians chapter four, starting at about verse 10, 11, where the apostle uh, talked about these teaching ministries, whether it was po apostles, prophets, or uh, pastors, whoever they might be, this was given for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. That's what the teaching ministries are about. They are not merely to impart knowledge, but they are to equip people, which means that, as you said, applied knowledge, uh, you teach people, but you have to teach them how to use the knowledge that they have. And uh, that's a critical part. That, again, it goes right back to leadership. Yes, uh, it does. Um, I can see now why so many people said I need to interview Max Dawson, but uh, this is so good. And, and I've, I don't know how many times I've said this with others too, Max, is that uh, Matt and I try to keep this down to 20 or 25 minutes or so. And, and uh, I'd like them to be longer. I'm, I might call you back again sometime, do this again. But I, I like to end uh, the interview with what I call the one thing. 
and we've touched on two or three things here, but if somebody's listening to this and they you go, you know what? I didn't, I just thought this was the preacher's job. I didn't know I was supposed to be involved in this. I know. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and by listening here, they've gotten excited and they want it they're, they, they're motivated to learn more. And if, what would you say would be one thing that somebody either needs to do or that they need to learn how to do to get involved in leading others to Christ? Well, I think the simplest thing has to do with the disposition that I need everyone. Everyone needs to see everyone outside the church as a potential convert. See everyone. Don't try to qualify people. You look at someone and says, this guy looks shabby. He looks like a bum. Uh, I wouldn't invite him because he wouldn't fit into our group. You don't know that. Uh, that, that's not your business. God never said to judge people to, or to prejudge them in that case. You need to see everyone as a potential convert. And if, if everyone in the church does that and they're interested in converting people, they're going to convert people. And listen, we have people in our congregation who were former drug users, some who were even involved in the drug trade. Uh, we have people who were extremely immoral. Uh, I mean, immorality for money even uh, we have a little bit of everything uh, yes. and these are faithful christians today but you know if if on your block you look at the people who live on the block where you live and you say well i'd like to invite this family down the street but i know hey there's an adulterous marriage there no point in talking to them well now what you're doing is you're crossing people off the list and you got someone else uh, maybe that lives two doors down you know this guy is a drinker. You see the bottles in the trash and you think, you know, no point in talking to him because he drinks a lot. What are you looking for? Jesus said we're supposed to be looking for sinners and there are sinners everywhere. I think too many of our brethren are looking for Cornelius. Here's someone who's already a devout man, just needs a little bit of teaching and he'll be, listen, Cornelius was converted hundreds of years ago. Go on to someone else. The, our world is full of sinners and they need to be converted. You need to see everyone as a potential convert. Wow, that's so powerful and, and so true. Yeah, open our eyes. And, you know, Jesus said, look out there and look at the, look at the harvest and, and pray for workers, right? He said to pray that the Lord would, that, that we would have workers and, and we need to do that as well. Uh, Dan, you mentioned open your eyes. We have one of our elders, uh, Brother Wesley Pollard, says you need to do three things. One, you need to open your eyes to see. You need to open your Bible to learn. And three, you need to open your mouth to speak to people. Open your eyes, open your Bible, and open your mouth. And, uh, you know, that's, that's what he does. And listen, we have had in the past I don't know what is today. Today is uh, December the 11th. In the past uh, two months, uh, we've, we've had five or six baptisms right here in the middle of coronavirus. Listen, people are scared. People don't know what's going to happen to them in the future. Instead of saying, well, we can't do any evangelism, this is prime time for evangelism. Well, it really is. And uh, uh, I want to share this because, and, and again, I know you do as, as well as we do. We give God the glory, but uh, in this time, we've had eight baptisms and we've had nine restorations. Wow. The, the most recent one was a 70-year-old man 
that had never been to church that obeyed the gospel. And uh, I'm sad to tell you, well, it's sad and, and glad at the same time. Uh, he passed away Monday. He obeyed the gospel the middle of September and he passed away this past Monday. But the family is just rejoicing because their brother Larry was a Christian when he wasn't before. Wow. Uh, I, I know. And it's just in uh, some restorations that have occurred around uh, one Sunday with that one family. We had two that were three that were baptized and two restored. Uh, and just uh, and, you know, when you see that and you know this when once you experience that, how can you not get on fire? How can how can you not be excited when you see somebody, God gives the increase and you see somebody respond to the gospel, uh, we need to have our eyes open. You, you think Brother Pollard would let me use that? Open your eyes, open my Bible and open my mouth. You think? Sure. <laughs> sure. In fact, you need to interview him, brother. Yes. All right. Well, he's, I will... uh, he's, uh, he's not quite as old as we are. He's 70 years old. He's a black man. He serves as one of our elders. And uh, you need to interview him. Tell him that I'm going to call him and uh, okay. you, you can give me his number later. But listen, I will. We're out of time here. Uh, thank you again so much. Uh, appreciate your work. And, and Lord willing, we can meet one day in person. Uh, one thing I want to mention is that if somebody wanted to reach out to you, would that be OK? And if it is, uh, maybe an email or a phone number that they could reach out to uh, to Max. Easiest way to contact me is through email. MD like a doctor, MD, my initials, MD1944 at AOL.com. All right. Wonderful. Listen, thank you so much for taking the time this morning to do this. And uh, we look forward to, uh, to talking to you in the future. Thanks, God Max. Bless you. Thank you, God bless you. Melt my heart and fill my life. Give me one soul today.